Hello and welcome to today's VJ Hemonk podcast. We are a global open access video journal bringing you the latest in hematological oncology. This podcast series will feature selected sessions from the fifth international workshop on CAR-T, which was held in Scottsdale, Arizona. In this session, you will hear from Bijal Shah, Rebecca Gardner, Claire Roddy and Nirav Shah, who discuss updates with CAR-T therapy in acute lymphoblastic leukemia and further comment on challenges with implementing CAR-T in this disease. Hi, my name is Bijal Shah from the Moffitt Cancer Center. I'm joined today by Rebecca Gardner from Seattle Children's, Claire Roddy from University College of London, and Nirav Shah from the Medical College of Wisconsin here at the IW CAR-T meeting in Scottsdale, Arizona. Thank you guys for joining me. What a fascinating session. So we spent a lot of time today talking about dual specific and even tri-specific CAR-Ts. So I'm just gonna throw a question out to the three of you. What do you see as the biggest challenge moving forward as we try to integrate these novel CARs into clinical practice? Well, I think the biggest challenge is clinically improving outcomes, right? So we now have really mature long-term data especially in pediatric ALL, where despite getting the vast majority of patients into remission, the large number of them continue to have events after treatment. And how can we make a product that's better than what we came out with initially? I think that's where we've really started to stumble. We manipulate things, we change car constructs, and turns out we were really lucky in the beginning, and this is very complicated. So I think there's a lot of challenges to make a product that can get patients into remission, can keep patients into remission, and kind of prevent the antigen escape that we've seen. Claire, as we start to think about some of the data that have come from Auto3, and again, the these, these novel designs for making 1922 cars for ALL, I want you to project forward for me. We have one that looks like it's working. Is the answer then gonna be a randomization? Is the answer gonna be we're gonna target post-auto car failures? How do we begin that process of moving it now into the clinic where it's an FDA-approved product and or EMA-approved product uh, or NICE-approved product. <laughs> MHRA-approved product could be yeah, approved at some level. Um, I, so in terms of the, I guess, the space for dual targeting CAR, I mean, I think we can acknowledge there is a space um, because, you know, um, your experience with um, the KITE product and our own experience with, with Auto1 is that there's a proportion of patients do get CD19 negative relapse. Um, and I'm not sure that at the current time we've definitively proven that targeting more than one antigen actually prevents that from happening. I'm not sure that we're quite at that point. So I don't think in terms of the dual targeting CAR-T space that we would, would be looking to accelerate the progress to you know randomized studies. I think we really need to find the sweet spot between all of these so many permutations, delivery, manufacture methodology, you know, dual targeting by bisostronic constructs versus cocktail cars versus two sort of separate manufacturers. You know, I don't think we really, the jury's out as to which is going to be the winning formula. And I think that's probably one of the biggest challenges, going back to your previous question, is how do we sort of um, unify and homogenize the kind of the data so that we can really sort of, I guess, do those direct comparisons. And I think Sargil touched upon that during the, the question session. You know, really, we, sh we should focus on that as a, as a group and, and, and try to really drill down in those important points, our definitions, um, to be able to make those comparisons. Absolutely. You know, as we start thinking about our antigens, we've got 19, 20, 22. We also heard a lot about targeting in T-cell ALL, CD5, CD7. 
you know, we're stuck with our mirroring model systems. Is there a better way for antigen optimization to say, hey, this is the next best target to think about? So, you know, I joked around in the session about a quatrocystronic or even a septocystronic car, but is there some way to optimize that process and, and then thinking downstream of those antigen targeted approaches, we talked about ICOS, CD28, 41BB, and so on. Nirav, thoughts? Yeah, I, I think that as we move forward, we want to personalize these treatments even better. You know, when CD19 car came around, it was such a remarkable technology that we sort of said one size fits all. And, and I think we're going to see, we've seen it already throughout today, we're going to see in other talks, probably biologically, these diseases are all a little bit different. And so there may be a, uh, a disease such as mantle cell, right, which is a CD20 bright disease where a 1920 might be an optimal way. There might be ALL where CD22, CD19 might be the optimal way. So I think we need to move away from sort of saying one size fits all for all B-cell malignancies, but start thinking about these diseases biologically. What is the expression of these different molecules, which actually for 1920 and 22 is variable across these B-cell malignancies, and then start priming um, our treatments to the specific disease. I, I hope that's what we sort of get to as we move forward. So we're sort of giving each patient their best chance, which I still believe their first car is their best chance. You know, um, and not to say that future cars and human cars and things can't overcome some of those, you know, intrinsic issues with, with T-cell-based immunotherapy, but, but I'd like to give each patient the best possible car for their disease. Great answer. And I think, you know, continuing to have this idea of reverse translation, when we started, we came up with what we thought were the ideal criteria for a CAR T-cell product. And so we developed products, tested them, and said, this is the one we're going to take forward. We now have so much patient experience interrogating what's a good product, what does it mean to have a good product. Um, if you produce interferon gamma, is that actually bad? Does that lead to M2 macrophages, which cause toxicity and decreased efficacy? So maybe we're thinking about this all wrong. So I think to think about the ideal product, it's going to be a lot of different things. What are the targets? What are their car constructs? You know, the cat car that Claire talks about, this idea that it's fast on, fast off, and it doesn't have all of that extra continued um, stimulation against its target is probably a really good thing. And now we probably have much more capability to predict what are the good attributes of a car construct, of a target, of a product, to be more rational before we take it forward into trials. Fantastic. And to build on that as well, I mean, you know, because we're, we're focusing sort of on the design of the, the molecule that we're putting into the T cell, and then we can't ignore the sort of T cell attributes as well. I mean, I think, um, like, the, was it Evan Welber gave the talk earlier on? And, you know, I mean, there's just some really fundamental lessons being learned about, you know, how we can modulate the kind of the fitness of the, the T cell before we even sort of go ahead and do the infusions. And then there's that whole piece about the, the tumor, because, you know, it's the sort of elephant in the room. But you know we're talking about you know the things that we can modulate, which is the sort of the construct and the and the and the, and the T cell and so on. But actually, if you we think back to the talk from yesterday about um, imaging the vasculature of the solid tumors, and I mean you know some leukemias are lymphomatous. You know I, I mean in the sense we, we've got that whole sort of brave new world of um, sort of challenge and combat to, to 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 build into our strategies. It may be that the cars aren't even getting into the tumor in the first place. 
So I think sort of there has to be a sort of a parallel strand of design and technology and engineering um, and and sort of cell fitness endeavor. But there also needs to be a parallel strand of you know interrogation of the tumor microenvironment, in addition to antigenicity um, and you know up and down regulation of antigenicity. But I think there's a whole so it, the, these two things really need to go hand in hand. Absolutely, I think we're still learning how to optimize a patient for CAR T cell immunotherapy. A lot of that has come down to tumor cell burden, but you know what else can we do to address some of those those specific factors? Um, Rebecca, I want to come back to you because you gave a really nice talk about how to um, how to how, what happens when we deliver these products, what we see in terms of selective expansion of one product versus another. One of the things that struck me in your presentation was that with your modified CD1922 CAR platform, a lot of the patients had had prior CD19-directed therapy. How might that have influenced this sort of selective expansion, or is there any way for us to even meaningfully measure that? Yeah. I think it's a great question um, and one that we were actually really interested in. Are we seeing decreased expansion of the 19 car? Because all these patients have already gotten a 19 car. And so what I didn't have time to show and kind of fast forwarded through was when you um, interrogate just the subset of patients that's not having a previous CD19 car, they replicate the findings where the 19 car doesn't expand as well. So I think it's more nuanced. It would be great if we could say it was because they'd previously gotten it, but it doesn't seem to be that way. That being said, I think we're all, like as Narav said, your first shot is your best shot. And so how can we develop a product um, that's better and get that to patients first, rather than trying to come in after they failed all the other therapies? Hmm. And a preclinical platform is the key yep. to this, and that does not exist Correct. to date. Yeah. And so I think there would be a lot of, um, you know, man I guess it's a lot of sort of biotech companies and so on that propose, you know, measures of the T cell function um, with sort of solid phase antigens. So, for instance, um, like an avidity measurement of avidity using your sort of Z movie technology, or perhaps using your isoplexus sort of polyfunctionality secretome analysis, and you can look at all your different sort of car constructs, and in parallel with doing your murine models, you're then applying them in, into these sort of systems to to get readouts. That I mean, we'll have to do this really in retrospect with clinical trial treated patients and then try and make those, uh, I guess, those connections sort of post hoc. I'm, I'm going to paraphrase Dave Maloney and, and Cam Turtle uh, just, just a mo for just a moment here. You never know until you put it in a person. And yeah. that's the <laughs> yeah. hardest part about all of this. Yeah. And I think the challenge is that you know, we're in an era where we have approved car products. And so like, you know, yes, we want to give the best car possible to the patient, but the counter to that is giving experimental cars as a frontline therapy when you have an approved car available also becomes a question, right? About what is the best thing to do? Now we, we know that car is not curing 100% of patients. And so we want to offer people something better, but we don't know if it's better, you know, and we do these preclinical studies that show Oh, again, in mice, that everything looks beautiful and it can kill all these cells. Um, but but I find that to be a challenge. So I do think at some point, you know, one of these bi-specific, you know, dual-targeted cars probably does need to go head-to-head -head against the 19 and say, look, is this actually doing anything better? Because otherwise, are we just, you know, adding all these modifications without actual clinical benefit?
Yeah, well, the, and that's one of the problems with our sort of more, more recent study led by Professor Samroli and Sarah Garashi, and it's looking at these two sort of optimized kind of car um, constructs, and you've got the cocktail car approach. The, the kind of patient that's being referred in for that study, these are all patients who are ineligible for Kimraya. So these are all patients with extramedullary disease, isolated extramedullary disease, or they've already failed CAR-T or they're CD19 negative already. These are not the patients that were being recruited into Eliana. And so, you know, the outcomes that we're looking at are clearly going to, you know, they're going to be challenged by, by, by that patient population. So we're really, you know, we're sort of climbing uphill all the time. We're, so it's difficult, isn't it? You, yeah. I, I find that to be the hardest part of what all three of us are doing is to create new cars in an era where cars sort of more available than it was previously. Um, and you know, I think it comes down to obviously talking with the patient, informed consent, you know, explaining the current limitations of our technology and, and what we're trying to improve on, but also the reality that with any clinical trial, we don't know. And my biggest question still is, does dual targeting, does triple, does that actually mitigate the problem? <laughs> you know, like when I look at our small series of patients, it seems like it does, like we're seeing lower rates, but again, the number of patients is very small um, compared to the, num the thousands of patients that have now been treated with CD19-based approaches. Mm -hmm. So uh, I think that you know, hopefully we can find you know, sort of the best model and then eventually, you know, as a group, we all commit right, to doing a trial of comparing that product to you know, a CD19-based car and actually seeing, can we do better? Um, because we really, I, I, again, I believe give the best car first. Um, to give them the chance for a one and done cure. And with all the caveats, right, of minimizing flu sci exposure right. and, and, and toxicity, cytopenias, you know, if we could avoid B cell aplasia, right, you know, that would be lovely without them relapsing. So, I, you know, obviously there's a lot of progress to be made, but uh, love being at this meeting. It's exciting. It's, you know, it's motivating, right? Like giving me ideas on things I should do, allowing collaborations to happen. Uh, so, really, uh, really excited to be here at this uh, meeting in Scottsdale. Perfect way to, to wrap this up. Uh, thanks all three of you guys for, uh, for talking to me today about novel ways of targeting ALL. Thank you so much for listening to today's podcast. We hope you enjoyed. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at VJ Hemonk and subscribe to VJ Hemonk podcasts on Spotify, Apple and Podbean. Until next time.